Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme. John Paul taking the calls 1850-333-103 and looking at that weather forecast we are expecting some rain today and there's more rain forecast overnight but I don't think we're going to get as much rain. Other parts of the country are going to get a bit of a bashing uh, and there could be some spot flooding this time. Yesterday we were expecting a lot of rain. We had this status yellow weather warning and we were warning for people to be careful about spot flooding and the flooding could occur anywhere and I was making the point that the land is quite soaked because we've had a, a lot of rain over the last week or so so there's nowhere really for the rain to go but we couldn't have predicted the amount of flooding we saw yesterday and some of our listeners getting caught as motorists who were stranded on the M8 after the heavy rain flooded part of the, of the motorway and I'm just wondering I don't think I have ever seen a motorway to flood to the extent that this section of the motorway flooded yesterday. Has anybody else seen flooding that bad? Now, there was video footage that we put up on our Facebook page, got a huge reaction to it. And thanks to Kay English Curtain, it was her video. And I think it was her video that got widely, wild, widely circulated across social media yesterday. It showed the, it showed the northbound lane at Skehina Rinka on the M8 completely flooded with a huge tailback of cars unable to move. They were going nowhere. Now Gardaí ended up having to close the road in both directions between Junction 12 that was Mitchellstown North and then Junction 11 which is Care South and they had to put diversions in place. Dozens of frustrated motorists were left stranded in their car. Cars well, the guard each, I suppose, tried to assess what they were going to do. And I suppose there was a wait and see. Would the flood, would it recede quickly enough to just let the motorists, you know, travel on in the direction in which they were going? But obviously the decision then was taken. No, we can't do this. Uh, so the end, the guard, then had to escort the traffic back to the other junction and let people go off the uh, motorway. And there was lots of motorists taking to Twitter and other social media accounts when they were stuck in the traffic. I mean, I know there was one girl was convinced she was going to be in her car for the night. She said, there's no going home from this, but she did manage, I I take it, to make it home uh, eventually. And there was no reports of any other crashes or any other incidents on the M8, but there was a huge tailback of traffic and my sympathies to you if you were one of the people stuck in that line of traffic uh, yesterday going nowhere and going nowhere uh, very fast but as I say anybody can anybody else share a story of seeing a motorway that badly flooded 
And then the worry is, if it's if it's happened once, will it happen again? Is there anything can be done? Can Transport Infrastructure Ireland do anything to make sure that we don't have a repeat? I know it was heavy rain. I know it was a yellow weather warning and we've, we're having a lot of these yellow weather warnings. I mean, is it going to put the fear of God into everyone who regularly travels on that route the next time there's a yellow weather warning, are people going to be fearful about using the motorway? So I don't know if the powers that be this morning now assess what happened yesterday and try to work out what needs to be done to make sure that it never happens again. But your thoughts and comments uh, welcomed on that, on the flooding of that section of the M8 uh, yesterday. We will be discussing people stuck in traffic today because in a couple of minutes we're going to be talking about the news that broke yesterday and this is to do with the work that's ongoing in Mallowtown for the erection of a boardwalk on the Mallow Bridge. And when it's all done and dusted and finished, it's going to be gorgeous and people will just talk about this wonderful boardwalk and hopefully this hope that the boardwalk, because it makes an extra lane of traffic on the bridge, that it might actually help with traffic in Mallow on the lower end of town but only time will tell if the boardwalk is actually going to do that because that wasn't what it was designed uh, to do but in the meantime erecting this boardwalk it is causing a little bit of traffic headaches traffic delays for people there was the closure of the northbound lane of the bridge now they did close it for while the children were off school in the summer but it ran into September and just goodness the amount of people that we had ranting and raving on the programme who were just so annoyed about the delays and people stuck in traffic people then who don't live in Mallow but have to bypass Mallow and head out by the roundabout taking them either on to Killarney or on to Limerick they got caught up in the traffic delays because all of the Mallow traffic that couldn't go over the bridge had to go on to the bypass so it evening times became a real bit of a headache. Well the news broke yesterday that the bridge is to close again. Now it seems to be for a nine day period. It is, let's try and look at the positives. It is going to be over the midterm, the Halloween midterm break. The week of the midterm break it's going to close but it will close the week before the midterm break as well and fingers crossed that it will reopen on the day that they're saying, I think this is the 4th of November they're saying that it's going to reopen which I'm assuming is the day that the children go back to school the Monday after the uh, midterm. But people just get worried straight away uh, because yeah we were told it would close for half of July and all of August and it would open at the start of September and of course we know it didn't. Now hopefully that's not going to happen this time but there will be delays. Let's just accept it and for people who live and travel through Mallow accept that you're going to have delays while the northbound lane of the bridge recloses yet again already getting some commentary up on our Facebook because we put this up on Facebook yesterday Simi says putting that kind of money taxpayers money into the erection of a boardwalk in Mallow is an absolute disgrace whoa I am sure the good people of Mallow would have preferred to see that that money was put to do up roads there are so many potholes in and around Mallow Town and cars have been damaged on a daily basis because of it. I'm living in Mallow for the last 14 years and honestly I think the taxes I pay that has gone on for money used to build this boardwalk has simply gone down the drain with the silly idea of the boardwalk. That's a a side of the boardwalk I haven't heard. I think most people I've spoken to who've seen the plans 
think it's lovely and it will be lovely when it's erected so maybe come back to me Simi when it's done and dusted and erected and uh, hopefully you'll have changed your views when you see it and that it will add to the town but uh, would people have preferred the money that's been spent on the boardwalk as Simi suggests put it into filling potholes rather than erecting a boardwalk Martina when she saw it put it up on our Facebook page that the bridge would close again she went oh god not again just starting to get used to coming home from work and not having to sit in traffic for a half an hour or more Sarah says that's okay the plan that they're going to close this because the children have finished school on the 25th of October and they're not back until the 4th of November so that sits nicely they're, they're doing it and I'm assuming they've deliberately picked the October mid-term so as to try and not make it it would be so much more difficult when the children are going to school as it was in September when the children went back when the lane was closed. So they have, you know, they are putting their thinking caps on and trying to make it as easy as possible for motorists. But there will be there will be delays. I don't know if there's any way around it, if there's any way of easing the traffic congestion. If anyone has suggestions, we know that it has to close is there anything that the council can do or anything that can be put in place so that the delays are not as bad as they were during the summer months when the bridge was uh, closed. We'll have a marine expert join us on the programme this morning to talk about the Portuguese man of war jellyfish. I think it's quite a spectacular looking creature. Other people don't seem to share my views. Well, when I said it to Simon this morning, he went, really? I do think, I was watching it last night again on the news and when you see it in water and when you see it, I've seen videos of it out in the sea when it's floating around, you know, in, in gorgeous crystal clear waters. I think it's like it's iridescent and the way the tentacles, the colours of the tentacles, which are the real, where the sting really is. As long as you don't have to go near it, I think it's just quite pretty to look at. But anyway, we're having a huge number of them on our shores here in Cork. Now, there, it's not just Cork, it's Kerry, it's Clare. It seems to be all the western seaboard has had a huge amount of them wash up in a recent weeks. Somebody said, Patricia, um, I found a Portuguese man of war jellyfish at the air strip in Bantry washed up on the beach. And Mike from Bantry says, with the Gulf Stream here in West Cork and the tropical storm this was Lorenzo the after the aftermath of Hurricane Lorenzo I take it Mike is talking about and with global warming huge factor and the reason why we have these Portuguese man of war jellyfish here but Mike worries is this is only the beginning he says you see and that's my fear factor as well if it is just down to Storm Lorenzo do we think okay it's a one off you know unless we get a storm of that magnitude again we're not going to see as many of these Portuguese man of war but I'm intrigued about this creature I want to find out a little bit more about it and we'll offer words of advice to people particularly if you live by the beach if you're lucky enough to live by the coast and you spend a lot of time on the beach and you bring the children down I mean animals as well I mean a dog I imagine could get a very nasty sting and dogs are so inquisitive you can imagine a dog going up and taking a look at at what is this unusual looking thing that's washed up on the beach and I also want to find out that once they're dead because when they wash up I'm assuming they die I don't know how quickly after they wash up do they die and is the sting still there after or once they're dead is that it or are, are they fine and, and I'm assuming it's the council then go out and try and get rid of these uh, jellyfish anyway we'll hear from a marine biologist on the programme uh, this morning 
Now, a young mother, about 20 past 11, will share her heartbreaking story of losing her unborn baby. Today is a day where the world is asked to remember stillborn babies and neonatal deaths. And it's a lovely day that happens every year and it's to celebrate celebrate is probably the wrong word to remember baby loss and they do this gorgeous lighting up of buildings and asking people in your own homes you can do this at 7 o'clock in the, this evening it's always done today the 15th of October you're asked to just light a candle and uh, or a little tea light just leave it lighting for one hour and you just do it in memory of all of the little babies that have been lost and I think it's it's a sign of support for those mums and dads who must carry the pain of infant loss with them for the rest of their lives. And, you know, it goes against nature, doesn't it, to bury uh, your young. And I know this young mother who joins us today, you know, shares that part of her story is putting her little baby into a white coffin and just how unnatural that feels and then to have to bury uh, her baby. So we will speak with this young mum on the programme today but we're thinking of anyone out there who lost a baby either through uh, stillbirth or shortly after birth and how difficult, how difficult that journey uh, is. And then we'd hear from a new group that is setting up in Mallow and it is a group especially for women. So any women out there looking to join a group, we might have a suggestion for you uh, today. And it is Tuesday. So Joe Heffernan will join join us and we continue to discuss lifestyle awareness. We, uh, t- we started on this uh, last week and we're just going through different things we need to be aware of in our lifestyle and in our choices. So that and more on the programme and as always we'll welcome your thoughts and comments throughout the morning get them into us. Now people in Mallow not pleased to hear that the northbound lane of Mallow Bridge is once again due to close due to the continued works associated with the Boardwalk project. Joining me in studio local Fianna Fáil councillor Garode and Murphy. Good morning to you Garode. Hi Patricia. Uh, you, you are very welcome. Now not the best of news as we head into the bank holiday weekend. What are the details of the closure for yep. those who haven't Unfortunately, heard? Unfortunately um it's the bridge is going to close to northbound traffic. Traffic only, that means cars, trucks, etc. The its pedestrian axis and cycle axis is going to remain on both directions as usual and southbound axis. It's the exact same as it was essentially in August, is what we've been told. And um look, you know, we're obviously very disappointed. Uh, the headline, I suppose, t- uh, figures are that, as it were, that um, it's going to close from the 26th of October to the 4th of November. That's been deliberately timed to coincide with the school midterm. So hopefully it shouldn't be as busy as it would have been the start of September after schools got back. Um, but look, I mean, it's still not ideal. I've been pushing as hard as I can since the start of this that the work should take place at night wherever possible. I've been assured that it was just impossible in this case and it required uh, a 24-hour, like, around-the-clock closure oh, okay. for a few days. And and the tw- the 26th, is that a Saturday? It's a Friday, I think. Oh, Friday, actually, OK. Yeah. So that's the day that the children break up from midterm, isn't it? Yeah, I it would be, because that's going midterm, into the yeah. bank holiday weekend, yeah. yeah, and then they're off for the entire... And the 4th is a Monday. The fourth so Monday. It, if, if it can be kept to that time period, school's completely closed... That'll minimise... So, look, look, let's call it spade a spade. There are going to be traffic delays, yeah. but it will be minimised somewhat if you don't add school traffic into it. Th- that's what we're hoping, you know, and I know that a lot of people have said to me, 
in person and social media and all different um, avenues that you know it's people are being very badly inconvenienced by this and I appreciate that and to be fair look I was speaking to officials yesterday about it and I have passed on their concerns you know as a councillor I've said it many times before but it's you're a kind of a conduit you know it's it's important communication you're you're a link between the council and the people on one end and that's why I get out anything I get like that as soon as I I get it uh, it goes on my Facebook page um but on the other side you're also a link between the people and the officials making the decisions and dealing with the contractors etc so I've I just just want to assure the listeners that I've been doing everything I can to bring that back the concerns raised to me by the people the residents the businesses in town and it affects wider than just the town because you know it has a much wider knock on effect the Annabella roundabout the is, commuters yeah exactly so you know I've been passing that on to the officials and the officials I suppose the main thing we have to try and ensure is that it is only nine days mm. if it's only nine days do you know, I think it's acceptable and I think the officials, to be fair, have passed that on to the contractors as well that the impression I got was it ha- the message has been clearly relayed. It is just nine days. It will reopen on the 4th of November. Monday the 4th of November is the day that the children go back to school after the mid-term uh, break because people got very frustrated growth in the summer when we were initially told that the and the signs went up saying that the bridge was going to close for it was half of July and all of August and then we got into September and there was a delay and mm. that that really frustrated people people yeah. got angry with that yeah they did and look i mean i like i said all i can do is relay back what they said and just try and put the foot down as much as I can I suppose the other there is maybe a small silver lining is that what we've been told is that for the next few months after the works these the disclosure all everything else will be done at night when, when a closure is required um, there have been works going on since the closure is what I've been told as well but they haven't required an actual closure of the lane and okay. future closures should take place at night another piece of news actually that broke yesterday as well which we hadn't been well, there had been hints at it before, but it hadn't been officially said, is that the boardwalk is going to take a little longer than originally planned to actually be up and running. Um, Why? I actually, they, they didn't give a reason. Um, I understand if things can pop up and I suppose it could be related to the delays that happened last August. Um you know, when, when unexpected things happen, I suppose it can maybe push the works out a bit further. But um, what we're told now is that the boardwalk should be installed, completed, ready to go around the middle of next year, middle of 2020. So we're talking so, about summertime of next year, realistically. That's yeah. what we're Because that told. is, and just to confirm that that, the boardwalk, you know, it's a, it's a steel structure. Mm. That's been built off-site, yeah. isn't it? And then it gets brought in. And installed then, yeah. yeah. And the installation of that will surely require closure, will it, of the bridge? Oh, well, definitely. But what we're hoping, what I'm certainly going to be pushing for, is that if at all possible, the closure is at night, which would be fine. OK, but that's we won't have to worry about that. Certainly now not until next year, until certainly into the summer. Businesses grow. I always, whenever we talk about something like this, I always feel for businesses because you will get people who will get stuck in a traffic jam once and then they'll say, I'm going to bypass Mallow completely mm. and that's unfair we're, go- we're coming into probably the busiest time for the commercial sector it's their chance to make a bit of money in mm. the lead up to Christmas it is unfair isn't it it is, it is yeah. hard on them I completely agree with you and there was actually a motion at council level we had a meeting just yesterday 
um, Councillor Cahal Rasmussen from Cove um, brought forward a motion that there be rates freeze or rates relief for businesses that are affected by long-term closure. I suppose that mightn't, I mean, nine, nine days isn't really a long-term closure, to be honest. Um, it's maybe more relevant to the like of Butterbent a few years ago, um, you know, where the, the whole town was closed off for, and there was horrible tailbacks for Months. Months and months. Months. And, yeah. and I remember um, we did numerous interviews both with motorists stuck in traffic and the good business people about it. Yeah, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be implemented. Uh, it got very wide support from the councillors, but um, yeah, I I don't know as the motion, I don't think the motion had like a full legally binding effect. I think it was just advisory. It's probably an executive function. Uh, so... Okay, but let's look at the positive. Once the 4th of November comes and the bridge reopens, it won't be closed again. Please God. uh, Certainly in the run up to Christmas. The other thing is that once the boardwalk is completed, it will be a great resource for the town. And we do hope that it will actually alleviate traffic somewhat. We will certainly celebrate that uh, next year for sure. And you want to pick up uh, Garode on a comment that came in earlier from somebody. It's the first person I've heard really give out about the boardwalk and and, and says it's a waste of money. Because I think most people, when they see the visuals of it and the artist's impression of it I mean it looks lovely I think it is going to be gorgeous and I do think it is going to add to the town and we just have to put up with the inconvenience in the meantime but somebody was giving out saying that the money would be better spent on potholes you want to pick up on that yeah well it's not so yeah basically just that they were saying there was a lot of potholes around Mallow and sure I I mean the council has nowhere near the number amount of funding from central government that it needs to deal with all the potholes there's a figure that's often quoted actually by the chief executive of the council Tim Lucy that I think we get funding to deal with one and a half percent to to resurface one and a half percent of all our roads every year and in reality the the guidelines is that we should be resurfacing about six percent so we're way way under what we should be getting from the government to do this work um but in relation to Malmo in particular, there's actually a full resurfacing of um, the entire main road from Annabella Roundabout right down to Oliver's Cross. And that's happening over the next three years. Um, now, I know the section between Oliver's Cross and the Clockhouse is particularly bad. Mm. So uh, it came up at our meeting a few weeks ago and I asked specifically if that could be done first so if that could yeah. be done next year and uh, they said that's the one they were looking at doing next year good. so there's there's some good news there at least news. and I know John right. Paul O'Shea as well as myself have been pushing fairly hard for that over the council over the last okay. couple of years Alright Garold we leave it there we'll talk again thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us in studio that is Councillor uh, Garold Murphy just to reiterate the northbound lane of Mallow Bridge will close it's during the school midterm which is the 26th of October which is thank you for a number of listeners saying that that's a Saturday so it's Saturday the 26th of October the children will break up on the Friday for their midterm so the northbound lane will close 26th on the Saturday and it will reopen on the 4th of November which is the day that the young people the children go back to school after the October midterm 1850 333 103 Hello this is Eric Griffin join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems and then Hi there Tommy Fleming here This is Dominic Kerwin Hello this is Phil Minabegley here Hello this is Robert Mazzell Hi this is Nathan Carter and you're listening to Eric Griffin on C103 Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of country and Irish from 8 right here on C103
dangerous Portuguese man of war jellyfish have washed up on our coastline in unprecedented numbers in the past week, especially in Clare, Kerry and here in Cork. The director of Dingle Ocean World, Kevin Flannery, says they've been inundated with reports of these creatures. And Kevin joins me to discuss uh, these jellyfish in more detail. Good morning to you, Kevin. Morning, and uh, thank you for taking our call. I suppose start by no describing what a Portuguese man of war jellyfish looks like and why it's so dangerous. Well, basically, they're a tropical type of jellyfish. They're a type of jellyfish, but to or everybody else, bar the biologists, they are a simple jellyfish, but they are inflated. They're above the water. They're like an inflated uh, technicolor balloon, and they trail tentacles from them, these streaming tentacles that can be anything up to 20 feet long, and these tentacles are used to capture prey for them to feed on. It's their natural method that they have evolved to this, and this is what they use to capture their prey. Basically, the tentacles are like a coiled spring, and when they brush off against a little fish or anything else, they release the spring, and it penetrates the skin of the fish, and with the venom that they have they are able to anesthetize the fish or their prey, and then they pull it back in and devour it. But it's this venom that's on the trailing tentacles that causes the problem for us humans when it we we get stung with it or when we're out swimming, and if it gets lashed across your legs or your hands, and it can cause serious, serious issues for people. It's very painful. Extremely painful. Did you ever get a splash of boiling water across the hand or yeah. fall into a yeah. load of young nettles and have that excruciating pain maybe across the welts of your legs or the back of your thighs or on your hands or on your stomach? It's not funny. It's not nice. And it's it, it can be fatal in some incidents and has been fatal for people who have breeding issues or with asthma or anything like that because it causes people to go into anaphylactic shock and... Therefore, that's a serious, serious health Absolutely. issue for people. And are they very uncommon on our shores? I would regard them have been studied marine life for the last 40, 50 years. And we got incidents of one or two reports of them down through the years when we get persistent southerly wind. But what's happened, much like that famous, infamous Hurricane Lorenzo, it came direct at us. It didn't cross the Atlantic, so it came straight up from the Azores, past Portugal and all those places up, and it brought us these inflated jellyfish balloons to us from the tropical waters. So, therefore, that was my reasoning and rationale for the volume of them that had arrived off of our coast. Yeah, and, and we're still getting calls in. Lisa in Roscarbury said she was in walking on Long, Long Strand yesterday, saw plenty of those uh, jellyfish. Yeah. They were scattered around the beach. A lot of yeah. people saying that they saw them in Bantry. Somebody wants to know, what, do, what does the jellyfish feed on? They feed on any prey that will brush up against the trailing tent. As I said, they could have anything up to 40, 50 of these trailing tentacles from them. Bright blue, iridescent blue. And... Uh, they trail behind them, and if they bump up against any small fish or plankton or anything like that, they gather it and they pull it in because basically the coiled tentacles are like a bow and arrow, and they release the arrow with a bit of string on it, and once it penetrates the, the prey, it pulls it back in, and they devour it like that. Uh, if you they live on. Another question. If you get a sting from this jellyfish, do you need to see, seek medical attention? 
Well, no, what you do is remove the trailing tentacle, remove that straight away. Uh, if you have a Visa card, a MasterCard, or a piece of cardboard or something, scrape it off straight away and start washing it off. And if you have hot water, wash the area as, as hot as you can to remove it. That's uh, the quickest and easiest way possible. There's no need to be going to a doctor and such, and then unless you're swimming. And thankfully, the swimming season is well finished. and truly over, with, other than for the hard-day souls. And I would advise them to be very careful, have a look at the, the beach area, because these trailing tentacles tend to fall off. But if there's any blue trailing tentacles in the water, avoid, keep, don't go in keep there. Keep well away. And when, keep Kevin, well away. when they do wash up on the, the beach, how, how quickly do they die? Usually what's happened is, you know, they deflate. Yeah. They'll deflate very much once they're out of the water. But the, the tentacles are still active. Oh. So the sand and the whole natural weather will break them down. That sort of way, but where people be walking over them or cars driving over them or something like that. But do not lift the. You can people. I've seen people lifting the balloon type effort, but it's the tentacles, the trailing tentacles that carry the the venom and the toxin that will affect people. So just look if they're in the area. Just avoid them. Don't touch them. So even and even if it's dead, could, even when they're dead. Oh, yeah. you can still get a yeah. thing. And, and I'm thinking of people who walk their dogs and let their dog run off on the beach. That's not not a wise thing to do well, at the moment. No, that's not very wise. And uh, dogs have a tendency to pick up, and if they think it's a small football or something like that, or it's, it's a coloured balloon, they would take it up, but they will get a bad sting from it. And it's not nice, both for human or animals, to get stung like that, as such. But hopefully, what I, the, the numbers have been decreasing, as I say, the vast numbers that came in with that storm just after the Lorenzo, storm. Yeah. And we got prevent Lorenzo. We've had reports from Mayo all the way over to Cornwall and Devon. Oh. and uh, still getting odd numbers, but the vast majority of them should have been over and done with this weekend or last weekend. And you're recovering them live for research purposes at Ocean World. What, what are you hoping we to did. discover, we, Kevin? We had a look, uh, see how long they will survive in the tanks and water, see their activity. Well, what's fascinating is one would assume that just this inflated balloon would do nothing but carry them with the wind, but they can actually turn and put themselves into various different shapes depending on what way what way you put the wind at them and what way they want to go. So they're a living animal as such and they can actually change their shape for the wind direction and for the way the tide is moving with them. So they're fascinating in that sense and we haven't been using them on prey but there's one um, group that are interested in the type of toxins so I'm waiting for them to come back to us to see if they want to take them away for checking the type of toxin that they have. They're, they're, they're quite spectacular looking, aren't they? Absolutely beautiful yeah. looking. This is what attracts people to them, and this is what's worrying aspect about them, is that people will, our children would, if they were, they were in the beaches earlier. So hopefully we won't be getting any more climatic storm Lorenzo's coming direct to us. We got them in the 80, um, 1960s of infamous Hurricane Debbie, and I think we've got one since, but hopefully they won't be coming up direct to us from Portugal. I mean, Portuguese said us them in a war, the Spanish taking our fish and the British putting the border back to us. Our European partners have been very nice to us at this point. <laughs> and, 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 we're, and we're very good at looking after their animals. Tell me about the turtle that got blown over by the storm in the Canaries the, to a beach in Galway. Yeah, the turtle, well, it was um, it was picked up on the beach uh, in Roundstone by uh, Miss Hardiman. And she contacted us and because we usually take in turtles that get stranded. Basically what it is, is uh, the turtles hatch out in the Gulf of Mexico, these uh, loggerhead turtles, and they go out 
down onto the beach and swim out and they stay in the Saragossa weed in the Saragossa Sea off of Miami, that sort of area. And then they get their great hurricanes and storms and these poor devils are living out there. And they're being marine reptiles. They require an internal, like all reptiles, you know, when the sun comes out, you'd have seen the snakes in the desert and those things. And that's when they move because they like the warm and they have to have internal temperatures of 23 or 24. But because it's so young, they'll be in their very early ages, they got pushed too far north and the water gets cold and they're not able to move and they're not able to catch their prey because they live on jellyfish. They're the guys that eat our jellyfish. They okay. eat hundreds and hundreds of jellyfish. But alas, in that it was, how would you say, comatose, but it got washed ashore. And once we got it on time, then we were able to heat it up and it started feeding. And now we want to get it back down to the turtle hospital in the in Grand Canaries. There's a hospital there for turtles because quite a lot of them get damaged and they spend their teenage years down there. So like any teenagers down around the Canaries, they're liable to get injured. Okay, and so, isn't that fantastic? And would that, so happen, would that happen often, that that a, a turtle like that we would do, wash? We uh, do, virtually on an annual basis. It's either an injured turtle or uh, one that has lost a slipper or something like that, or else one of these ones is too small and incapable of swimming back down. So we pick them up, and usually the naval service on their humanitarian missions to the Mediterranean would yeah. carry them down for us and oh, release them off of Gibraltar. How fabulous. But okay. they haven't been going this year, so now Ryanair have said that they will fly him down for us. So we're looking forward to that. Good on, good on old Ryanair. Listen, I really enjoyed <laughs> our, our chat, uh, Kevin, your mind of information. Please God, we'll talk again. But thank you for that. Please God. Thanks for joining thank us. You, bye bye, bye bye. What a lovely man. That is Kevin Flannery who joins us uh, from Dingle's Ocean World with the advice, particularly on the Portuguese man of war jellyfish, steer well clear. But hopefully, hopefully we've seen the last of them now and they are the tail end of Hurricane Lorenzo or Storm Storm Lorenzo it was when it came here. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A text came in that made me smile when I was talking with Kevin Flannery, our marine expert in the last hour about the Portuguese man of war. I just happened to have seen a piece about the uh, the group that he works with in Dingle, Ocean World in Dingle, and that they were looking after this little turtle that, bless its heart, it got blown up. It was discovered on a Galway beach after storms uh, carried her away from the Canaries and they're looking after this uh, little turtle and she's been spoilt rotten, seemingly. And the plan is that when she's she's nearly ready, she's nearly recovered because she'd gone, she'd, she'd be treated for hypothermia and she went into almost like a coma-like uh, state so they brought her back and, you know, they looked after her and they made her up special cakes. They were made to look like uh, jellyfish and they fed her on squid and sprat. And she's doing really, really well. So it's almost time for her to go back home to the Canary Islands. And Kevin made the point that Ryanair have jumped in and have been very kind and have offered her a seat on one of the planes to Grand Canaria when she's ready and she'll go down to the Turtle Hospital in the Canaries. Well, quick as a flash. Aidan Dunmanway was on to say, Morning Patricia, that turtle's in for a bit of a shock when Ryanair charge him or her for priority boarding, luggage and seat charges. <laughs> That's from Ed in Dunmanway. Don't be knocking Ryanair, they're good enough to take the turtle for free, which is very, very kind of them indeed. Thank you though for your WhatsApp, it, uh, it made me smile. 1850 Some of your calls uh, coming in. Leeming Kinsale is wondering, when we were speaking with Councillor Grode Murphy about the bridge closure and the North bound lane in Mallow Bridge is going to close again it'll be closed for the entire mid-term break 
for the primary and secondary school because more work has to be done there. Liam is wondering... And we also have heard now that the boardwalk will not get installed until mid next year. There initially, I think, I think the last time I did an interview about when would the boardwalk itself be, the steel structure, when would it be installed? I'm sure it was early in 2020. We're now looking at mid-2020. So we're talking about summertime, July, August, I think, before we'll get to actually walk on that boardwalk. Lima's wondering, with all of these delays, does that mean that the project has gone over budget? If that's the case, do we need to ask questions of the engineers? Uh, because it's at the, ultimately at the end of the day it'll be the taxpayer will be paying more. And I've asked John Paul to get back onto Go Road just to see if it if it if it's going over from a time point of view, will the taxpayer, will the council have to pay extra money? So we'll get back to you when we get an answer on that. But thank you for your question. Good question and uh, kind of kicking myself that I didn't think of it. Uh, Lehman can say that I didn't think to ask it myself off Goro, but we'll hopefully get an answer for you before the close of the uh, programme. Uh, Tim says, uh, Patricia, it isn't just Mallow that's been affected by closures and road closures and bridge closures. Cove is to be is will, is to be closed because of pipe laying. There's little enough business in the town in normal times without road closures. Rates reduction very much justified as a temporary measure. And that's one of the issues I know that Cahal Rasmussen from Cove raised at this week's council meeting and I know we're endeavouring, I know John Paul is working on it to try and get Cahal on because Gerald Murphy mentioned it as well that there, you know, when work goes on in a town and in an area that affects the business community and any kind of a road closure or a diversion or anything that leads to traffic nightmares will obviously have a knock-on effect on businesses because if people get caught in a traffic jam for an excessive period of time, it makes that person stop and think that the next time they go to that area they might stop and think is there somewhere else I could go for fear that they're going to get caught in traffic delays again so yeah I do think there will there's always a knock on to the businesses and maybe a little bit of help from the council by way of a relief and suspension of rates for a period of time not a blanket one but for the towns that are affected by any kind of road closures I think it's it's not an off the wall suggestion I, I think but we're hoping to talk about it in, in more detail and Tim also makes a point on the people that got stranded on the road yesterday the, the motorists who were stranded on the, the flooded motorway the M8 between Mitchellstown and Care. some of those would have paid tolls before they got to that point Tim says uh, do they get a refund on their tolls? I don't know, but it's it's a question worth asking, Tim, if any of the motorists want to get back onto the toll company and say, I paid a toll, but I wasn't able to drive the road. But somebody else is make about the Mallow road closure. And this very much sums up somebody who's going to avoid the town says, it is ridiculous to hear that the bridge is going to close for another nine days. When the original roadworks were going on for the boardwalk and the bridge was closed, I went into the centre of Mallow Town, I would say twice at most during that period that went on for about six to eight weeks. It wasn't, wasn't that it? This is going to finish off the town. I feel very sorry for the traders, says this texture. There's no, there's no name on that text. Thank you for that. Another texture says, a dare is another place where there are constant long 
delays in traffic. It is terrible there with the long traffic delays. Uh, but there's light at the end of the tunnel for the people of Adair and people who go through Adair and people who do business in Adair because the Ryder Cup is coming and we know that they're going to get their bypass. They're guaranteed their bypass because of the Ryder Cup. So there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for people who need to use Adair a lot. And on the motorway flooding, and I ask in the question, how does a motorway flood to the extent that it flooded yesterday? Someone says, God be with the days when the councilman was out with the shovel. He went along the road, he opened up all of the inlets, all of the dikes, and guess what? You would no floods on roads back then. Nothing like what we get today. And now you'll see two or three council personnel driving in a truck. Bring back the man with the shovel. Go back to basics. You'll solve all of the problems and you'll solve them immediately, says a texter. Thank you. That's some of your calls and texts coming in on issues we were addressing in the last hour. Would be interested to hear from farmers and beef farmers, please, today. Because as we now know, you probably saw this on social media or you may have seen it on the, no- on the news yesterday. Officials were forced to suspend the meeting of the Beef Task Force yesterday and why there was altercations outside of agricultural Agriculture House representatives from Meath Industry Ireland now included the director Cormac Healy. Cormac Healy in particular from the clips I saw was really picked on. They were refused access to the meeting by protesters and in the end if you watched all of the little video clips that went on, uh, online they gave up in the end they, well, they had not a hope of getting into that uh, building. I don't know I mean I don't know Agriculture, agriculture House was there not a back door? It was the first thing I saw when I saw it on the TV, when you saw the farmers protesting and when you realised that the farmers protesting were not going to let these representatives in. Did nobody think of plan B and think, can we go around the block and is there a back door? Now, maybe there isn't. Maybe somebody more in the know listening to us can tell us, is there another way to get into agricultural house or can you only go in through the front door? Anyway, what happened was the representatives, including Cormac Healy and the others from Meat Industry uh, Ireland, they claimed they were physically and aggressively prevented from entering the department by a number of farmers who were pro- protesting. Now, Gardy have said there was no arrest and obviously there was no injuries uh, either, even though the MII said it was very aggressive and they were physically stopped from going in. I think I heard um, on one of the news reports that somebody was claiming they were constantly being kicked by somebody. I mean, that to me is a physical assault, but if it is... Nobody's been arrested, so hopefully that wasn't the case. That nobody was physically assaulted. That it was just more. It certainly did look aggressive. They were stopping these people. There was no way these people were going into the building. Now the agriculture minister Michael Creed condemned the incidents incidents because he said it is in the interests of everybody involved in the beef industry that the work of the task force goes ahead. He says the task force remit is to monitor the implementation of the actions arising from the agreement which was reached in the middle of September and offers the most viable platform for strategic engagement with key stakeholders. He said it was a great pity that farmer representatives were not in a position to air the legitimate concerns of farmers at the task force. And that's what I'm wondering today, how farmers feel about it. Do you feel that what they did yesterday, because they were very, very angry, the farmers, were they right to stop Meat Industry Ireland from entering the building, which then meant that the task force didn't go ahead. Or should they have been there, voiced there? You know, you could see on their placards, you know, exactly 
how annoyed they were. Should they have allowed the task force to go ahead? Now, beef plan, the beef plan movement had told its members on Sunday that it was going to seek to have, this was the first meeting of the beef task force, adjourned until letters of discontinuance were issued to all the farmers under legal threat. And this seems to have been the big bone of contention yesterday. The organisation Beef Plan Movement said that it was going to deliver in person a letter to the Beef Task Force chairperson. They were going to do that yesterday to try to bring about a resolution to the issue. The Independent Farmers of Ireland, this is another new group that has been set up, they say that they would not participate in the Beef Market Task Force until such time as all of the injunctions and all of the costs against any individuals that protested are struck out in their entirety. The IFA also wrote in on this. Their President Joe Healy said the first thing he was planning to do with yesterday's Beef Task Force uh, was to address the outstanding injunctions against the farmers. But the fact that the task force didn't go ahead Nobody was able to bring up these issues of the injunctions. Meat Industry Ireland said ahead of the meeting yesterday the commitment to withdraw legal proceedings connected to the, they're still saying, illegal blockades of beef plants had, they said, been honoured by the beef company concerned. But the sticking block is that individuals who protested at C&D Foods, a pet food facility in Longford, remain under legal threat. I'm led to believe there are two farmers that still have outstanding injunctions against them. And C&D, the pet food facility in Longford, is wholly owned by Larry Goodman. So Joe Healy of the IFA said the refusal of Larry Goodman and the APB group to lift all the injunctions against farmers arising from the recent protests. He said it was petty and it was mean-spirited. So that's what angered the farmers yesterday. They were really fighting on behalf of these two farmers who have injunctions still hanging over uh, their head. But I don't know, was it the right route to go? Were they right to stop the beef task force and let everybody who was going into that task force know that the farmers, certainly the farmers who were protesting yesterday, have not gone away and will it in some way force the hand of Larry Goodman to lift the injunction which does it it does seem a bit petty and mean-spirited when all of the other injunctions have been uh, lost have have been lifted but because the task force didn't go ahead because the people couldn't get in we're we're nowhere near getting those injunctions lifted your thoughts welcomed on that 1850-333-103 would you have liked to have seen the task force go ahead is this the way forward there was agreement reached on September the 15th and the agreement was that everybody would get around a table and we need to get people talking. We saw what happened when the protests were underway. Nobody was talking to anyone and the protests just went on and on. The farmers didn't want to be there. The beef industry was certainly affected by it. So we need to get everybody around a table. Around the table is the beef task force. But if we can't get them to meet and sit down, we are going to, we're, not, we're stuck. It's stalemate. We will be back talking about protests again, which I think nobody wants. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. A kitchen assistant is wanted. It's for Aradlin House Nursing Home. That's in Boherbui. While healthcare assistants are wanted, full and part-time, please. It's roles at Breedhaven Nursing Home. That's in Mallow. General labour wanted for window and door glass and glazing company, while a part-time bar person is required for work in Aherla. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie 
forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. Now, Phelacon, the Stillbirth and Neonatal Death Association of Ireland, are encouraging people to get involved in the international wave of light at 7pm tonight. Do you remember all the babies who were lost through late miscarriage, stillbirth and infancy loss? Kirsten Wall from Navan in County Meath joins me to share her story of loss and why events like today are so important. Uh, good morning to you, Christian. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you for taking time out to uh, talk to us. Now, your life changed forever back on the 17th of February in 2013. That's how, right. How was your pregnancy going and when and how did you realise something was wrong? Um, my pregnancy was quite normal. I had a previous atopic pregnancy, so they did do an early scan. Um, everything seemed to be going okay and I suffered a few uh, kidney infections and I was treated for those. Um, when I hurt, hit 31 weeks, um, I noticed one Sunday that her movements had slowed down. So I decided to contact um, our local hospital here and they asked me to come in, but not to rush. So um, myself and my mum and my husband and my son um, drove to Drada and um, we decided uh, to leave my son and my husband in the car, that it was just a routine, kind of just to make sure that everything was okay. Yeah, you weren't that concerned already. I mean, you were planning a day at the beach afterwards. Exactly, yeah. that was it. Yeah, we were planning a day out and I was a little bit worried, but not majorly concerned. So um, I went in and was greeted by two midwives and they did the usual checks on me and they got me up onto the bed and the first midwife put a doctor on my tummy and there was silence. And the second midwife then tried to, to do the same and again there was silence and they asked would I like to go for a scan at that stage. So I agreed um, not overly concerned at the time, thinking that maybe Robin had gotten herself into a position that she she couldn't be heard, mm. and um, I decided to go up for the scan. When I was brought up to the scan, um, a doctor came and, um, and, and talked me through what she was doing and put the, the scan on my tummy, and there was no heartbeat. She said, I'm so sorry, there is just no heartbeat. So I asked her to do it again, and um, I was still in shock at that stage, I suppose. Were you and were you in the room on your own with the... the I was in the room with my mum at the time, oh, wow. um, because as far as we were concerned, it was going to just be a normal day out afterwards, and my son and my husband were still in the car at that stage. So um, she tried again, and... It was confirmed then at that stage that there was no heartbeat. How how do you take how how do you that does that news sink in that you're told there's no heartbeat? It doesn't sink in initially. You go into complete shock. 
um, there's a numbness that kind of comes around you. Um, I did start screaming and after to repeat the scan a number of times after that, I think, from what I can remember. Everything is a little bit hazy from that particular time. Um, and I suppose only for the support of my mum there and my husband and, and Sam, I I would have completely lost it. So you're you're 31 weeks, you're, pre- you're heavily pregnant at this stage. Yeah. You're, you're weeks yeah. away from having a baby. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming all the prep work because you have another little fella at home. The, you know, you've prepared to get ready to go into the maternity ward. You've all of that, all of those bits and pieces ready at that stage. Well, the room was done. We had the costs assembled again and and the clothes packed and ready to go. And you had a little boy, so there's a little yeah. baby girl coming home. Yeah. And you then have to, what, what age was Sam at this stage? Sam was four, so he was fully aware of what was, what was going on around him. You, um, had to, did you, you had to break that news to Sam? Yeah, we actually, he kind of knew something was going on because obviously he was with us. But when we got him home, we sat him down and um, explained to him what exactly had happened. And um, I suppose he broke down at that stage. He was so looking forward to his sibling coming along. Because he wanted to be the big brother. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was four and a half and his his cousins were after having siblings and we were all getting ready for this brilliant event to come. So you 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 had to leave the hospital that day and then what, what arrangements are then put in place? Well, a doctor came and spoke to me in the family room after we were the news was broken and um, they asked me to come in the following day on the Monday to discuss exactly what they were going to do. So on the Monday when um, we attended, I was given options, I suppose. So in either let things naturally run its course which I didn't want to really do. Um, and then the the next step was induction. So I chose that option. By letting things naturally, like go to 40 weeks? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's hard. And then the other yeah. one, uh, induction. So induction, induction means a tougher labour, though. Absolutely, yeah. So they gave me um, an oral medication at that stage to soften the cervix, I suppose. And they asked me to come back in for induction on the Wednesday. So you had from Sunday until the Wednesday. Wednesday. And I, I saw, um, I, and I'd never seen it phrased the way you phrased it. And it, you you spoke about, you felt like you were a walking coffin. Yes, My absolutely. God. You just feel like numbness about you Um you don't want anyone to look at you. Uh, you don't want anyone to speak to you about it. So I basically stayed inside for those three days. And then you arrive at a maternity hospital. Yeah. To give birth. Yeah. Um, on the Wednesday, I was brought in very early in the morning and they started induction, I suppose, at around eight o'clock in the morning. And I didn't have Robin until that night. So it was a tough day's labour. Unbelievably painful on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know at the end of that labour, you're not going to be able to bring home your baby. Did you get to spend uh, much time with Robin after she was born? I did. um, Thankfully, um, 
with the support of Falicon, which I didn't even hear about at that stage, they provided us um, the hospital with the cuddle cough, which is the cooling cough. So Robin was able to spend some time in the room with us um, without going to the mortuary. Now, initially, when she was born, I was too afraid to hold her. Um, so she went to the mortuary for a little while after. After I had held her, she went, she went there that night. Um, but the next day, I spent the day with her and the following day. And are you I so some uh, time. Are you so glad now you did? Absolutely. If I could turn back the hands of time, I would have um, spent even longer. It's, it's, you'll always have regrets after having a stillbirth. Um, always. No matter what you do, you'll want to have, uh, change it again. Yeah, because there's no right or wrong way to do it. You, no, you, absolutely. You, you, and everybody is different. Yeah. Everyone, everyone feels differently when they, ha- when they give birth. And I suppose you just take it as it comes. Did you take photographs? We did. We took some photographs. Now I wish we had taken more. Now, we were offered um, a service called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, yeah. which is professional photographers that come in and actually take them for you. But at that stage, I was in that much shock. Oh, no. I didn't re- I didn't really realise what uh, Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep was at the time. And I declined the offer. But it's a major regret that I have that, that, that those photographs weren't taken. Yeah, this is where professional photographers come in and they, yeah. they set up the photographs. And, and if you go online, you'll see them there. They are quite uh, stunning. But as I say, there's no right or wrong. You do what's right for you in that time and in that exactly. moment. Exactly. And whatever you're strong enough for, I suppose. Did you, did other family members come in and meet Robin? Yes, yeah. um, I had um, a lot of family members come in and out of the hospital. And then also when we got home, we had some friends. And some family members come in. That leaving the hospital, um, Christian, when you're leaving without a baby, you're leaving with what, a baby in a coffin? Yeah, and that's another thing. The hospital are fantastic. They do so much for you, but there are some things that kind of, you go, mm. um, we were asked to wait at the door, the front doors of the hospital and someone would come out with Robin. Um when we did that, a parking attendant obviously gave out to my husband for parking there. Oh, God. So um, we ended up having to go around the mortuary to collect to collect Robin privately. Yeah. You don't need that. No. You don't need that. And you had a, a, a funeral? Buried yeah, the, with... yeah. The day that we actually came home, if, if the funeral was already arranged. And um, at four o'clock on the Friday, Robin was laid to rest. And is her grave some place that you take comfort from, or have you do you associate the grave with her at all? Um, the yeah, I suppose we do. We go there quite often, um, but it's not something that I like to visit every day. Yeah, yeah. Robin is not there. She's, I suppose, in all her hearts. She's not in. I don't see her as in a grave. The funeral, though, very difficult, I imagine, for you. You don't know. It goes against nature to bury your young. Yes, absolutely. It was a very distressing time for for us all, all of our family members. But um, I don't remember an awful lot of it. I suppose I was in that much shock. No one can prepare you for the shock of um, losing a baby. And 
you just you, you'll you'll fall apart, and that's exactly what I did that day. And then Failacon, as you say, they are, they're just such a fantastic organisation. I, I, I can't speak highly enough uh, about them. Uh, I know you say they supported you at the time with the, with the, at, in the hospital. Have you gone to any of their support groups? Have you reached out to Failacon? Failacon have absolutely been just phenomenal. Um, they support you from the very beginning and they're still supporting me today. Um, they organise workshops for us here in Navan. Um, where we can go and do arts and crafts or whatever is going on that particular day. They also organise stuff for our children, the siblings of, of uh, the babies that have been lost. And um, that's fantastic, especially for Sam, because he was of that age. Mm. He still remembers every detail. Um, they also remember us at Christmas time. They might send out a little gift, um, which is, is something that you can treasure forever because you don't get anything for your baby as such I suppose from anyone else they wouldn't remember I suppose but um, Felicon definitely do and you know it was your you, you already had Sam as you say you had an atopic pregnancy then you lose Robin do you leave that hospital saying never again oh ne- absolutely I swore to myself never again that was it I'm I'm ha- quite happy with having Sam at home I didn't want to put myself through that guilt or torment again. But? Six months later, I went on to have a miscarriage, unfortunately. Um, it was an awful experience. But I then went on to have Dylan in 2015. Fantastic. And he's our rainbow baby. Fanta- fantastic. <laughs> now, I imagine that was a, a difficult pregnancy for you from an emotional point of view and a worry point of view. Absolutely, her. It was it was crazy. Nine months. Um, I was high risk. I was in and out of the hospital that many times. They all knew my name. <laughs> I knew their faces. Um, I became, I suppose, part of the furniture at one stage. But they took really good care of me, and they understood. And then, exactly where I was coming from and why I was over there so often. Well done. And then Dylan was born. And uh, just explain what you mean to people by a rainbow baby. Um, a rainbow person. baby is a baby that um, is born after a loss. Yeah. And I suppose, well, they definitely light up our lives. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Now, we've got this big, uh, there's, there's, it's, when I first looked at this, I think there was about 50 buildings that are going to light up. It's Baby Loss Awareness Day today, but it's gone well over the 50 mark. And I'm thrilled to see that there's, there's a number of venues here in Cork, like Blackrock Castle and uh, obviously the Cork City Hall and Cork County Hall and obviously the Maternity Hospital mm-hmm. out in Wilton are, are all going to light up tonight, which is, which is a lovely, lovely thing. And there's various buildings all over the country. But individuals, uh, Christian can get involved here. You just ask people to light a candle at seven o'clock. Yeah, seven o'clock. If you if you light a candle and maybe um, post it online, hashtag International Wave Flight, um, we'll all be recognised. Are days like today important? They are very important. It gives us an opportunity, I suppose, to speak about it. Yeah. To remember our babies that have been lost, and I suppose you gain support from that. 
Okay, listen, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us uh, today. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Christian. And, uh, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. God bless. That is uh, Christian Wall on today, which is Baby Loss Awareness Day. And of course, uh, Failacon, one of our own charities here with its head office in uh, Skibbereen. If you've suffered the loss of a baby, they operate a support line on 085 249 for and at seven o'clock this evening, if you just light to like to light a candle, leave it lighting for about an hour, just in memory of all those little babies that have been lost. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. C103 anthems. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. Now, to find out about a new group that has just been set up in Mallow called Loose Women. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by a pair of the Loose Women, Elizabeth Roach and uh, Greta Hickey. Good morning to you both and uh, and you're welcome. I'm OK to describe you as Loose Women, I am. Oh, certainly <laughs> are. <laughs> OK, old. now, uh, Greta, the main aim of this group... Well, the aim of the group really is to get women of all backgrounds, regardless of age or your your where, ethnicity, where your colour, your religion. It on doesn't a matter. Thursday morning, any time between nine and twelve in the Mercy Centre. Now, it was set up by Noreen Brennan from Lakela was suggested first that could we set up something like a women's shed. So we said, yeah, but we want to call ourselves loose women okay. to put a bit of fun, fun to it. it. Yeah. So we meet on a Thursday morning. Any time from nine o'clock on up to 12 in the Mercy Centre and it's open to everybody. Uh, Elizabeth, all age groups? Absolutely all age groups and even more so age groups, women who find themselves now retired and mm. at home and might be feeling a bit outside of it. It's a great place to go. You, I joined the knitting with um, Geraldine Scully. I met her at the hairdressers one day and she said to me, would I go? And I said, should I try it? Well, to walk into a room of people they went to school with was just amazing. And to be now discussing things that we need to talk about, yeah. just to be able to talk about them and not feel any upset about it. Or and, to, and to realise that everybody's going through the And thing. to realise you're not alone. We all carry the same burdens. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an unbelievable pleasure. Yeah. So when they started this, I was on. <laughs> and what uh, question what happens on a typical morning you're there from is it half nine well kind of half nine people try, kind of, we were there from nine but from half nine people start okay. coming so we say last Thursday morning move a little bit closer into that sorry, microphone last yeah. Thursday morning um, we did a cookery I gave a cookery demonstration on the easiest cheesecake in the world to make and we did that the week before one of our other members Hannah she did a brown bread and then she then whipped up a half dozen scones while she was at it she was this sort of thing yeah and Hannah is easy that weekend my god so like like, uh, we're hoping now to get a mental health nurse in in a few weeks time uh, to talk about anxiety and loss it mightn't be a bereavement loss but it's a loss it could be emptiness syndrome it could be the fact that you've retired now from your job it could be that your children have moved away maybe abroad or whatever and you're finding a loss there's a loss in you so she's going to talk a bit about anxiety because people are getting anxiety at our age now that never got it. Absolutely. You know? It's one of the biggest. The biggest I think whenever things, yeah. we raise that issue on the programme, be it at what, what age we're talking about anxiety mm-hmm. in, in teenagers, in midlife, in retirement, it's incredible. incredible. And I don't know whether it's to do with the busy lives we're leading, the busy world. We haven't got time for ourselves. I don't know. 
but yeah, we need to do that, something that about it. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. You, you, you were on autopilot for so long and next thing you're, you find yourself, you have time and then you're thinking about things that you say, well, why is that bothering me now? Yeah. You know, and then, yeah. so she's going to come. So we have uh, maybe, if it was suggested, we might get a podiatrist in some morning, get a beautician in, maybe get a hairdresser in, because I suppose women going through the menopause as well. Yeah. That um, I heard on a programme this morning that uh, hair loss is part of the menopause, which yeah. I didn't realise, because um, I'm full blown at the moment. <laughs> And again, I can and share my experience. Yeah. I can share my experiences because like that now, it's my first time going through it. Yeah. So and then you can hear from the women, yeah. as Elizabeth said, she's on the other side. side so you can, yeah, I went through that. Don't worry, it'll pass yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. 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 So and it's great to yeah. hear that. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's great to talk about things that you did to help yourself. Yeah. That yeah. were like, we'll say 10 or 15 years ago, they weren't really as easily accessible as they are now. Yeah. Which is why this again is another thing that's good. It's easy accessible. Yeah. Just pop your head in there any Thursday morning, they'll be there. And Elizabeth, is it the type of group, you know, the way usually when you're joining something, you have to get somebody else to go with you. I'd never be able to go on my own. Would you say to women listening, come on your own, you'll be made more, feel more than welcome? Well, I suppose now by nature of the fact that we do feel we need to be with someone, but actually you don't. Yeah. Because the night I went to the knitting, I was on my own and I walked into a room full of women I knew. Knitting. Knitting. Yeah. And we could sit down and talk about just about everything and anything. Now, the amount of knitting I've done, I have to say, is minimal. (laughs) (laughs) But the amount of chatting, cracking and listening to others. Yeah. Was great. So this will be a full morning of that. Yeah. And it's marvellous. It's just mar- It's just the best idea, in my opinion, for a hell of a long time. It's terrific. And, and as Gretchen, as you said, it's, it's kind of based on the whole idea of like, the men's shed was so badly needed yes. and they've proven hugely Oops. successful. Yeah. It's based on that model, except it's just for women. Just for women, exactly, of all ages. Um, I bring my granddaughter with me okay. and somebody else brings her grandson and they're playing in the corner. So that's OK if that's somebody's okay child. If, if, a child yeah. if you have a child, I wouldn't be able to go if, unless I could bring my granddaughter on yeah. Thursday morning. She's enjoying it because she's getting num nums from everybody. They're all feeding her, yeah. And uh, she's playing with another young fella. Um, so like, there's nothing to stop you. The buggy can be parked outside the door yeah. and bring the child in. You know what I mean? Like, because at the end of the day, we're all women, and we're all women of different ages that have a lot to share. And expe- our, our experiences are what makes us. And the more friends we have. So I met another woman during the week, um, a Syrian woman that I'd met at the library previously and I explained to her what we were doing. Yeah. And she said, oh, I got a text from Michal in the library about that. Great. And she said, oh, I could, I'll, I'll try come Thursday. And I said, great. And I said, look, I'll meet you first if you want me to meet you. Mm. You know, or, or if, if people feel that they can't walk in on their own, contact us and we'll meet them first. And, you know, if I yeah, because sometimes it's hard. Yeah, it can to, be hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, actually, that's a good point, um, Elizabeth, that Gresha raises. N- New people to the area be fantastic way to absolutely. To we had actually the one was it the first or second morning? First we weren't morning. there yeah, anyway. First, first morning, morning. Yeah. we had two women from the Congo. Yeah, and they had come from the direct provision, and they were discussing with us the direct provision, and like we were like, yeah, like, you think this is a great thing for the the, the people to come to do yeah. this, but to listen to their experience of it. Moreover than that, it kind of opened our minds to the fact that well. Maybe there is another side to all these stories, you know. Yeah. You do need to hear and see these things before it begins to even register with you. Yeah. And they were two lovely women. Yeah. Great. Lovely women. So you're you're o- you're open to to all. Ha- J- Gretchen, have you any idea of numbers so far? How many have joined? Well, or? last Wednesday was our biggest yeah, day. Yeah, we twenty two. Well done. And um, <laughs> so it's it's grown every week. Okay. Which is great. Uh, word of mouth really is the, is what happened. Yeah. Um, as I say, uh, we I'm after approaching the HSE and I got a phone call this morning that we 
are getting a bit of funding, okay. which is brilliant because what we didn't have this morning, we have more money now on the promise of it, which is great. Um, again, using context that I might have from a different from a previous career or whatever. Um, it's all about sharing at the end of the day. And it's about if, if a person only wants to come in and sit down, and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. That's fine, too. But it's just not to have people sitting at home, especially in the winter months. And they're saying they're twiddling their thumbs and they might say, I'll stay in bed because mm-hmm. I have nothing to get up to. Well, now you can get up on a Thursday well, morning. Or one day a week you have yeah. something to get out of bed exactly. for. Exactly. And I think out of it, friendships mm. will friendships, blossom. Friendships, yeah. Like, as you say, Elizabeth, you've reconnected with people that you probably haven't spoken to in years. Do you know what I mean? Some of them for about 40. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. so so, th- so much more will come out of this. Oh, exactly. Like, I've made a very good friend in Brenda. I wouldn't have got to know Brenda only through this And now. we've been friends for years, she and I. We worked together donkeys years ago. Yeah, so, okay. like, you know what I mean? I would consider her one of my close friends now. So, um, and that's only in the space of a few weeks or a few months. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it's definitely, there's nothing wrong with having loads of friends because at least you're never alone then. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the big thing. And there's so much isolation going on that we need exactly. to. And you can sit at home and bemoan the fact that everybody's gone or you can get out get and up, do, yeah. get well, out sure, and do something. Remember the thing that was long ago, you can get up, make up and dress up now yeah. for this one day and go. That's it, that's <laughs> It. So it's Thursday morning in Lakela. Yeah, and Lakela. No, it's in the Mercy, Mercy, Mercy Centre. Lakela have been very good to What's us that, now yeah. as well. Okay. Um, they organised. They organised it. They organised the room for us. Um, and it's free. And it's free. Actually, it's important to throw that in as well. It's it's free. And do you have a cuppa or do you do one to do? We have a cuppa. We have biscuits. We have uh, scones. Scones. Again, like I made cheesecake last week, so we all had cheesecake. I was sure you were well known for your cheesecake. Uh, I did. <laughs> your games and we had brown bread. We had scones, brown bread the week before. You know, and like the demonstration one then we raffled off and someone brought that home fantastic yeah. it's fantastic yeah. listen yeah. long may it continue loose women in Mallow and I would love to think that others listening to us this morning from other parts of the county might pick up on this, this idea it might Absolutely. be the first of many Absolutely. listen um, thank you Elizabeth Roach and Greta Hickey thank you both for joining us in the studio good morning to you thank you very much
That's music from Hosier on C103 and that is uh, almost. We need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way in the uh, next hour. Joe Heffernan will join us and we continue to discuss lifestyle awareness. All coming up. Lounge your calls and comments in the next hour. Wake up with Simon Murdoch. Weekday mornings on C103. Hey, it's Simon back first thing in the morning, waking up the Rebel County with Cork's greatest hits. I've got over 1,800 euro to give you as well. Okay. But it's not right. That's not right. Okay. Bye. I'll be back. <laughs> All things Cork. You hear it first on Cork's More Music Breakfast. Live from 6 tomorrow morning, latest traffic, news, and everything you'd want in a breakfast show. See you tomorrow. Cork's More Music Breakfast. With Dano's Centra, Spartland Mallow. Enjoy a fresh start every morning with Dano's Maxol Filling Station, Frank and Honest Coffee, Deli and Bakery. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, some of your calls and comments coming in on some of the issues we have been addressing. Firstly, we did get back on to Councillor Gerald Murphy, who joined us earlier this morning to talk about the fact that the northbound lane of Mallow Bridge is going to close once again, this time for a nine day period. It'll be for the entire duration of the school midterm break for Halloween and is to allow further work to go on. We do know it's going to cause traffic uh, delays. So just, we're just really going to have to grin and bear it. But somebody had sent in a question and was wondering because there's delays to this particular project and we now know that the boardwalk we heard this morning is not going to be in place until summertime next sometime middle of the year so I'm sort of saying July August of next year so that's a delay because I was expected to be in place it was around January, the beginning half anyway, certainly of 2020. But there's a delay on that. Somebody was saying, does that mean that it's going to cost the taxpayers more? If there's a delay to the works, does it mean that the contractor has to be pay- has to be paid more? So we got back onto Garode and he said that he checked out the budget for the boardwalk. He spoke with an official at Cork County Council who says at this stage, it's too early to tell for sure if it'll come in over budget or not. But at the moment, there are no major budget overruns. So you can read into that, whatever you want. At the moment, no major budget overruns, but too early to say for sure if it will come in under budget. Wouldn't that be great? On budget or over budget, I suppose what they're saying is wait until the boardwalk is in place because it's only now that the steel structure They've started to make that and I suppose when they go to erect it, will there be extra costs involved? It's a wait and see game. OK, so um, thank you to Grote for getting clarity for us on that. On farmers, when I mentioned what happened yesterday and the fact that the first meeting of the task force, the beef task force, didn't go ahead because officials were forced to suspend the meeting following altercations outside of Agricultural House when farmers turned up and they refused access to representatives of Meat Industry Ireland, including its director, Colm Healy. They blocked their passage. They they were prevented from entering uh, the building so they simply had to walk away because there was a number of very angry farmers there yesterday and I was interested in your thoughts on you know you with the farmers were they right to say no don't go ahead until the injunctions are still in place or should the first meeting of the Beef Task Force have gone ahead and try to get some kind of resolution. Dennis says Patricia these farmers have bigger problems than injunctions. There are 100,000 cattle, according to Dennis. 
by way of a backlog that has been created because of all of the protesting that went on that closed all of the meat factories. So now, says Dennis, there are 100,000 cattle alive today that should have been slaughtered. If this is not sorted and sorted sharpishly, there will be a fodder and an animal welfare crisis by Christmas, is Dennis's prediction. Everyone would want their heads banged together and they should be locked into a room until it's all sorted out. Kind regards, says Dennis, who I take it is not happy that that meeting didn't go ahead yesterday. Now, I don't think at any stage for the Beef Task Force we were going to lock them all into a room and bang their heads together, but at least we would get them around a table and that's what, like, you know, I watched the video footage that came out, particularly stuff on social media yesterday and you could sense the anger of the farmers and, and I have an understanding of why they're so angry, but you just kind of felt, oh, come on, let the guys get in there. Let's get them all around the table. We're not going to get any resolution if we don't get people all talking uh, together. And just on another issue pertaining to the to farmers, this came up yesterday on the programme. We were discussing, we were talking about the weather and how bad the weather was yesterday and somebody contacted me to say, Patricia, do you realise that the slurry, the slurry spreading season is about to come to an end for this year? And it's actually today, it's the October the 15th. And some were saying that, you know, the weather conditions were just so bad that surely farmers weren't going out spreading slurry and yet farmers were under pressure and there was a lot of extra contractors out in that atrocious weather. And then others were saying, no, there was no way anyone could spread uh, slurry yesterday. Well, that um, prompted, I decided then when I came off air, I'd just do a bit of investigation as to what, what was happening. And it seems, and this is according to agriland.ie, a possible extension is under review for the sl- slurry spreading ban for this year. According to Agriland, a spokesperson for the Department of Agriculture said a possible extension is still under review in consultation with the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed. The nitrates regulation are the responsibility of the Minister for Housing, Planning and Local Government. Owen Ryan, I didn't realise that. I thought it all fell under Michael Creed's department. And unless an extension is granted, the closed period for organic fertiliser during which surrey spreading is prohibited is due to take effect as and from today. So I'm assuming it's today, the last day. And then the reopening of the fertiliser application, it depends on what zone in the country you're in. It's anything from the 12th of January through to the 31st of January. Now the closed period for the spreading of farmyard manure before people will start ringing in tomorrow or later on this week saying there's still people spreading slurry in my area they could be that could be farmyard manure that doesn't come into place until the 1st of November so there's a few more weeks left on that but a number of calls have been made for an extension to be granted to slurry spreading due to obviously the recent wet wet weather that has made spreading difficult in many many parts of the country now that's that was a piece that I found yesterday I'm trying to see if there's any update on that. I certainly didn't hear anything on the news. Uh, if maybe someone in the agricultural sector, somebody from one of the farming organisations may know, did they get, has an extension been granted or is today the last day, is today the uh, cut off? If we get anything further on that, I will bring it to you. But a text says, Patricia, with regard to the slurry spreading and the unsuitable conditions that you spoke about yesterday, drivers also need to take extra care driving on the country roads as tractors and farm machinery is coming out of fields and they're leaving a lot of muck on the road. Also, this texter has noticed that they don't display any sign to warn drivers 
that there's heavy machinery in the uh, area. I've seen cars swerve, says this texture, and it could cause an accident. So if you're driving in rural areas, you need to be very, very careful, please. On parking an issue that also came up yesterday on the programme when we were talking about people pay parking and it came up because somebody had an eye appointment in the city and it's somebody who doesn't travel to the city that often and they went to park the car to discover that whatever street they were on in Cork it was disc parking but they didn't know where to buy the discs and they ended up driving around and they could have been late for the appointment but it eventually got sorted out and it's just the problem that can be caused when you go into an area you're not used to and you're not aware of what are the parking regulations and obviously we want to do everything that we can to avoid somebody getting a parking ticket which got highlighted yesterday. So Jesse in Cork makes an interesting suggestion. Says, hi Patricia, wouldn't it be better when hospital appointments are given to folk outside or even those who live in the city that a hospital appointment parking permit is given for that particular day date sent out in the letter with the appointment this would save a lot of stress for patients so the idea would be that if you got a hospital appointment and you for whatever wherever it is that the nearest parking facility if there wasn't if it was on hospital grounds you'd get a voucher for there but if there wasn't say the nearest car park to it and some kind of a permit would be given to you so that you would have free parking that would coincide with your hospital appointment. I wonder how people would feel about that. 1850 333 103 and Jesse also in the commentary wants to mention and say RIP to Timmy Horaham from Bantry. We spoke a lot about Timmy on the programme yesterday and the senseless death and the, his poor family coming to terms with the way the man died. Jesse said shame on this government and all of the empty churches lying dormant in the middle of this housing crisis. I don't know what you're suggesting a church could be used for. Anyway it's mind boggling as to how student five star accommodation they managed to build that in rapid time when social housing is on the back burner and it's on the back burner continuously. Many thanks for reading my text and that comes from Jesse. There is a frustration there that if they want to get student accommodation I don't know how much of it is five star but when they want to get student accommodation built they always seem to be able to build it quite quickly. A lot of money though to be made in student accommodation as well. One wonders is that the is therein lies the problem if they can make more money out of it they build them faster but we do seem to be there seem to be somewhat of a delay when it comes to building social houses even though the council will say anytime we contact them they give a list of how many houses they've built in the last year and they say that they're doing the best that they can do Can I stay just on the topic of Timmy because I want to acknowledge our senior news uh, reporter Fiona Corkham. She went out yesterday to Penny Dinners. Now we had the wonderful Katrina Toomey who joined us yesterday from Penny Dinners. I, th- I thought, she, I mean, any time I interview Katrina Toomey, you know, people bring in saying she's a walking saint and she is. I mean, she absolutely is. She always blows me away. I always, I found it particularly emotional, I have to say, talking to her yesterday because she knew Timmy well. And the way she spoke, you know, on behalf of the other homeless people, you know, they're very vulnerable people. They've nobody really speaking up for them except people like, you know, Simon and Focus Ireland and uh, Brother Kevin up in Dublin and our own. And, and Alice Lee, he is fantastic as well. And our own Katrina, she's, she's just amazing. And you could, you could hear in her voice and I, and I knew because I'd heard her speak on other radio stations earlier she's such a dignified woman but she also wanted to give dignity in death to Timmy and to Timmy's family and 
I know one of the, and I deliberately didn't ask her the question of what was Timmy like because I'd heard her say to when others journalists were asking her she, you know she said that's not for me to say she you know she knew him because he used the services of Penny Dinners and she knew him because he was a homeless man but he has a family and it's the family's right to talk about it's their Timmy at the end of the day and I just thought you know they're in death she's trying to give this, this man some dignity she's just absolutely incredible Anyway, our senior, senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran decided to go down to Penny Dinners yesterday because obviously Timmy Horahan has left behind a family of friends in the other homeless people. They become their own very little unique family and the fear there must be going around homeless people that one of their own could have died the way that Timmy has uh, died. So I want you to take a listen uh, to this. This is Fiona talking with some of the homeless people who were down having dinner yesterday in uh, Penny Dinners. Oh, I know Timmy about 10 years. He was a very nice man. Very, very sad. When something like that happens to somebody who's uh, homeless, like, does that make you afraid for your own sake? Yeah, of course, yeah. Just your cock has gone very tough, like, you know. And, and plus then a girl sleeping out on her own. You know, it's scary, like. It's very scary. You sleep night on your own in a tent? I have my brother now with me. So, it's not, it's not too bad, like. Well, it's bad, but... It's, it's the homeless crisis as well, like. No, no one has anywhere to go, like, you know what I mean? And can I ask you, how did you end up homeless? To be honest, I hit rock bottom there. I went heavy on drink. I lost... People very close to me, and that's how it was kind of ended up like that. And do you think if we had better treatment centres? I know Katrina Toomey has been calling for better treatment oh, centres. Definitely. definitely. Or someone to go, like, if, like, like they like some stuff there now, like, do you know what I mean? Like, if they had, a, like, accommodation from when they get out of prison, instead of getting out of nothing, you know what I mean? So... And are you in a tent now? I mean, like, we're coming into the winter months. There's a, a rainfall warning for tonight. Yeah. It's like, yeah. What, what is life like for you? I wake up soaking. Just where is it, you know? Well, just knew him is basically from being in the in, inside in the shelter. I only got to meet him. I talked to him for about 20 minutes inside her. He was in there some day last week. And, uh, you know, he was. He kind of said he felt a small bit safer inside in Simon. Because, you know, people working in there were up all night and they were checking to make sure everything was grand. And, but he said when he went outside then, he was kind of worried about, you know, because so many people were getting robbed, especially if they were isolated, living in a tent in their own. Did he say that he was afraid of getting assaulted at any stage? Well, he said he, he basically told me before that he'd wake up in the morning and um, when he was, before he had a tent and uh, his bag of clothes would be gone and, you know, his shoes would be robbed. You know, I said just to keep strong and, you know, don't give up. You've been homeless, and uh, basically three weeks now. I um I basically got kicked out of my council house. I, I was living in a family home in uh, Carrigaline, um for most of my life, and I went across the water and I came back a, a couple of years ago, and I moved into my old home in Carrigaline, and basically I um, was staying with a family member, and my mother had health issues, and she had to go into a home. And basically, a while later, the county council came to the door and said that I was not supposed to be living there. 
and if I didn't leave, that the rest of my family would be kicked out. So then I have to go back to the county council then, fill in all the paperwork, and they're telling me I'll be waiting up to eight years to get a place, whereas you're just a number to them. They don't really care. And I think they're not... Cork County isn't doing enough to help the homeless situation. This is my first time being homeless, and I'm in Simon right now, and it's, it's just like hell and earth. You know, it's grand. When you're in there, it's nice and warm, but you have to get up at 7 in the morning, and you're on the streets, half 7... You can't, you can't really, you can come back at nine for a while, for a few hours, have some breakfast, and then you're out from one o'clock until seven, come back at seven for your dinner, and then you have to leave around eight, and you can't come back to eleven. And on a day like today, when it's last yeah, you know, it, it just, there's only so many places you can go, like, and, and um, it's just, it's demoralising, you know. Um, I just, I'm saddened that, you know, that the government isn't doing enough. There's so many buildings in Ireland that are boarded up and closed for years and years and years that could help solve the problem. It's just sad because we're all human beings, you know. And, and after what happened to Timmy, are you afraid for your own safety now? Well, I mean, you know, um, I probably, I'd probably sleep in my sister's shed if I had to, you know, uh, just to feel a small bit safer. Because if you're if you're isolated and you're living in a tent like this guy is. If three or four fellas come along that are homeless, you have no chance. And I wouldn't want to be playing a, a Russian roulette with my life. You know, so it's, it's terrifying, you know, when you go out there in the mornings from Simon. It's, it's terrifying because you don't know who's around the corner. There's so many people that are in these places that have addictions, like myself. I don't do drugs, so I don't really drink. But as I said, mine is the gambling. But the drugs is probably one of the worst because if you don't get your fix after a few hours, you go insane and you don't you'll kill somebody for a fibre and that's the scary thing out there and I don't you know there's never a guard around when you want one you know um, I don't think people who are on the streets homeless I don't think they don't feel safe that's, uh, thank you uh, to Fiona that you kill somebody for a fiver my god what a statement uh, that's Fiona Corkham uh, and thank you to those uh, homeless people for speaking to Fiona and so honestly honestly and opening up uh, to Fiona yesterday when they were in having a, a bite to eat inside in uh, Penny Dears. 1850 We've got a break uh, coming up after the break. Uh, a listener wants to raise a problem he's come up against with paying the vehicle registration tax on a car that he's imported from the United Kingdom. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. But firstly, time to do this. Bingo returns to the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. That's tonight at half past eight. The Kinsale Men's Shed. They've got their supper club. That's this evening. All are welcome. And Baltimore's fundraising fish supper for the RNMI. That will be held on Sunday the 27th of October 7 o'clock in the Sailing Club in Baltimore where you can sample the best of seafood cooked by chef extraordinaire Chris Hedges early booking is advisable with tickets available from Bush's Bar in Baltimore and employers are invited to attend a free breakfast seminar in the Kingsley Hotel in Cork tomorrow Wednesday from 8am to 9.30am. The seminar which has been run by the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection will focus on diversity in the workplace and inclusion of people with disabilities register on eventbrite at workmatters.2 
And O'Sullivan Pharmacy Bank Place in Mallow, they are holding a Cups Against Breast Cancer. It's a coffee morning. It's happening this Friday morning, half ten to one, with all proceeds going to Breast Cancer Awareness. Drop in for a cuppa, please. That's O'Sullivan Pharmacy Bank Place, Mallow. Now, I want to go to a caller. Am I going to this now? I'm going to... I'm waiting on John Paul. OK, I'm waiting on John Paul to uh, transfer a call. Um, this is Harry is going to join us. And this is to do with the importing a car from the United Kingdom. And he's having a problem because when you import a car from the United Kingdom, you have to pay vehicle registration tax, a VRT. And it depends on the type of the car and the size of the car as to how much the VRT uh, is. So Harry has purchased a car, brought it in from the United Kingdom. And now I'm just seeing on the text in front of me, he's got sorted and he's after getting an appointment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. But it's gone right down to the wire. Let me bring Harry in to tell the story himself. Good afternoon to you, Harry. Uh, Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, you've imported a car. Yes, that's right, from the UK. And on the 11th of uh, October, I notified the uh, the, uh, VRT office. Okay. Uh, looking for an appointment because I did it within the correct time, the 48 hours. And uh, they told me that they were, there was no appointments being given out at the moment uh, due to um, a backlog. So I said, um, when do you expect that I should have an appointment? And they said, well, within uh, maybe a week or two, we get in touch with you. I said, could you please give me a, an email 
to the fact that I've actually notified you uh, in case uh, I'm stopped by the guards. So they said, um, no, no, we wouldn't do that until we actually uh, uh, give you the appointment. So it didn't matter to me any because I'm not driving that car. That car is laid up until all this is dark. Yeah, but your, your fear was if you were driving around, it would look like you were driving around in a car that you hadn't registered, you hadn't gone through the correct reg- registration process. That's what you were afraid of. That's absolutely 100% correct. But on the other hand, uh, what, I, what my, my, my main grievance about all this is, uh, this VRT situation is um, handed over to a private body, the two people who do the uh, NCT, which are called uh, Applause Limited. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a private company. They're the crowd who, who run when you go to get your NCT. They're the, they're the company. That's right. And but you bu- and you need to book an appointment through them through, isn't it? Yes, that is correct. But no, this is the they are no contracted also to do the VRT vehicle registration for the customs. That's how they are involved in this. And they got this they got this contract about maybe I think two years ago. So now, in in previous uh, times, it was the customs you were dealing with. But yeah. now the, the customs have given this job over to applause. So now when you go into the NCT office, there are two offices inside. There's one for VRT and one for NCT. And you cannot go in there unless you're notified by Dublin. So if the VRT office in Cork had... Um, uh, 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 sorry, didn't turn off. Uh, you would still have to have the, the details from Dublin they would have to detail Dublin of you. You just you just couldn't wait there and say, well, if there's a cancellation, uh, could you fit me in? And even though I have, I went up there on Friday, they had a cancellation, but no, they weren't notified by Dublin, so then they couldn't take me. Uh, so, yeah. so the whole fact of the whole matter of this is, come the 31st of October, Brexit, and Brexit arrives, mm. if, if your appointment is after that date, you will then be into the rules of importing a car from outside the EU. In other words, i.e. Japan. Supposing you were, lots of cars came in from Japan at one stage. So you would, you would be into that spectrum. So therefore, the rules are different, the charges are nearly doubled, and uh, you'll be in a different scenario completely because you're importing outside the EU. So... That's exactly what's going to happen after the 31st of October. On a no, I mean, yeah, if it's a no-deal Brexit, that's one of the things that would, if there is a deal, that's one of the things that would be covered. But in a no-deal scenario, you're importing a car, not from the EU, you're importing a car from a foreign country, and it's going to cost you. Correct. But the point about it is that uh, we're talking about no-deal and deal. We don't know whether... This forms part of the no deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Even even if there is a deal, we we, yeah, we don't know. And you <laughs> now you you're after. Um, John Paul tells me you've got an appointment finally. Well, how I got an appointment was, I kept ringing three and four times a day <laughs> last hour, and just by luck this morning when I rang at twenty past nine, they said, "Oh, we have an appointment uh, for you. Uh, you. We have a cancellation in Cork on the thirtieth of uh, of uh, October." October. Just on the line. But anyway, that's okay. I haven't, I'm within the, I'm, within, I'm before the 31st. Just. But the point is, just. So the point of it is, there are many, many people out there in the same position that I'm in. And even though they're still within the period of October, which is nothing to do, you're still in the, in the Brexit situation, outside the Brexit situation, they cannot get an appointment. They're trying. 
get an appointment. They can't get it. And they're willing to pay their money. Now, is that right that, that a private company should have that type of power that they can say, no, we're full and that's it and you can take it or leave it? That's my grievance. Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming that if you didn't get that 30th of October appointment and say you got one for the 4th of November and assuming, take it, it was a, a crash out Brexit, should, they would have to honour. They would have to have honoured the fact that you brought it into the country on the 11th of October. Would they? Well, I don't, I don't think so, uh, um, Patricia, because if you ordered your heating oil on the day of the budget, and, and he delivered the day after the budget. You paid the you day think after. That he'd say, yeah. I'm very sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, today, no, he charges it. And the, when, the, when you rang up and they said, oh, the, the, there's no appointments because there's a backlog, is that down to people rushing over to, in, to the United Kingdom to get their cars before Brexit, do you think? Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Uh, roughly 70,000 cars came in from England last year. We sold 130,000 new cars. So you can imagine 70,000 technical cars came in. And it was 130,000 new cars sold. So look at the, the, the proportion. The proportion is... And did, uh, did you go down the route? Is it a car, Have you saved money by importing a car from the UK? Even with the yeah, VRT? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I did it. Would you have saved much, do you know? Oh, quite a lot, yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of... It'll be interesting be what like, happens after. It, it wouldn't be the first time I did it in the future. All right. You're experienced yeah, at yeah. it. All right, Harry. Listen, safe motoring and thank you for pulling in and taking uh, our call. And thanks a million for raising the issue. Not a bother. Take, you're very kind. Thanks take very care. Bye-bye. 1850-333-103. I don't know how many more people have been caught up in that. Of course, we're all... Nobody knows what's happening on the 31st of October, but Harry is right to flag it. If there is a crash-out Brexit, it could catch people like that, particularly those through no fault of their own, waiting to get an appointment to register their car and pay the VRT, but not being afforded an appointment because there's a backlog. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1. C103. Oh, oh, the tide has to flow through course to get the cork. It's magic. Hello, would the answer be Barbara? It would. A bearded Barbara. Not bearded Barbara, but a bearded Barbara. (laughs) Dogs have unique nose prints. Like we have fingerprints there. Go on. Is there really uh, gold in Cove? There's, there's gold everywhere. There's a mine there, isn't there? There is. Only locals know about it. That's all, yeah. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. On importing cars from the United Kingdom, a WhatsApper says 70,000 cars imported from the United Kingdom and probably 60,000 of them clocked. Do Irish people really believe they're getting a bargain on imports? Dot, dot, dot. The buyer beware. 1850-333-103. We're continuing with Lifestyle Awareness. Joe Heffernan joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And uh, we got through six of your 14 topics yeah. under Lifestyle uh, Awareness. So we're moving on to the seventh, which is our tendency to catastrophize. Explain yeah. what you mean by that. Yeah, it won't be just difficult or it won't be um, uh, not great, but it will be awful. Um uh, another word for catastrophizing is awfulizing. Um, you know, uh, being quite pessimistic about uh, any event or um, our problem uh, for the future. Um, always seeing the black side of things. But um, even when things are going well, or oh, sure, I'm waiting for something bad to happen. That kind of thing, now, that um, 
Uh, if it's good, how long will this last? And if it's bad, oh my God. Um, That's typical of me, I, it's always I, bad. I, you know, I, I can't cope with this. And we do. I mean, you know, we, when we look back, whatever came our way, we found some way of either coping very well or fumbling through it. Or, uh, but we, we, as they say, we're still standing anyway. Yeah, and when you look back at things that you're worried about are that you lost a night's sleep over. You have to stop and think, what, what was I worrying about that time? It's, it's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and usually, usually, I one can't say always, but usually the worst outcome didn't happen. Mm. Mm. Okay, so you've got, you've just got to stop yourself doing that. Yeah, to kind of... Um, uh, you know, to have a little bit of um, uh, a, a bit of optimism. It, it, uh, my dad used to say it to me, um, and to it, it was a saying of his: "It might never happen." Yeah, and yeah. you know, very often it didn't. <laughs> okay, we are aware that we sometimes avoid processing difficult events in our lives. Yeah, avoiding things. Um, you know, blocking them out either with um, frantic, frenetic work or um, maybe even um, overdoing alcohol, um, whatever. Um, uh, you know, medicating or avoiding um, uh, difficult events in our lives. We, 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 need, to, we need to acknowledge that they're there. Um, we need to take a look at how are we um, coping with them. That <coughs> you know what um, uh, what it means to us in our daily living, and um, then to do the best we can, uh, putting one leg some days in front of the other, kind of like an attitude of just plugging on. Um, uh, because if something is outside of our control, well then. As the serenity prayer goes, um, you know, um, uh, serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference Mm. between the two. And if we can't do anything about it, well, then we need to just be aware of that and um, uh, look for that very elusive serenity and at least anywhere to carry on with our day, you know. Okay, and then the awareness, we are aware of our need for perfectionism. Yeah, um, for perfection there, um, uh, I would think, um, you know, like, if you can say at the end of each day, if you can genuinely say to yourself, I did my best, yeah, that, 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 and let that be okay. Um we're all going to make mistakes. There's no question about it. Um, we're going to have omissions and commissions um, of, uh, you know, things that we should have done, but we either forgot them or, or we were we procrastinated or whatever. And um, maybe things that we said that, um, you know, that, that at the time uh, weren't maybe the very appropriate thing to say. But we've to learn to forgive ourselves. Um, it, it, it kind of reads into the other point there that um, uh, we can have a difficult time dealing with failure. Um, everybody, I mean, I don't even like the word failure, but we all fail 
fairly regularly. Um, uh, was it Samuel Beckett said, um, fail, fail again, fail better. Mm. Um, you know that uh, we're not going to get it right all the time. It, it, we, we just aren't going to get it right all the time. That doesn't mean now that we kind of let ourselves off the hook and say, yeah, anything will do. No, far from it. But um, well, when something doesn't work out, that's okay too. Exactly. It's like it's like that. The, the, the line on the the perfectionist uh, one. It's to a, it's okay to be average. You don't always have to be the best. Exactly, exactly. That I mean, good enough is good enough. And um, uh, it, we 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 need to kind of acknowledge and know within ourselves that making a mistake doesn't have to affect our self-worth. It doesn't have to be into the catastrophe stage of, I'm no good, I'm no use, I'm a terrible person. We don't have to have any of that. Just, I made a mistake, um, I didn't intend it, but it happened, and I learned from and, it. And move on. Move on, and, and, but, and, move and on. maybe to learn from it. And we are aware that it helps to live one day at a time. Yeah, um, again, it kind of reads into the others that um, the only day we can live is today. The only air we can breathe is the air of wherever we are, Tuesday the 15th uh, of October 2019. So why ruin Tuesday the 15th of October 2019 worrying about, we'll say, December 2019? Yeah, yeah. That will come in its own time. The only thing we have to deal with now is today. Or why do we ruin today worrying about something that happened December of last year? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I saw a very cute kind of a thing recently and I, I sent it on to a few people on WhatsApp. Um, here it was just a clever little thing about um, the two uh, the two glass things uh, in front of us when we're driving a car. You have the tiny little mirror up over the uh, windscreen um, to see what's coming behind and you have the huge windscreen in front of you to see where you're going mm. and it kind of uses that um, uh, picture um, to say well the reason that we have a small one for looking back is that it's not Im- as important as the that's big clever. one for that's looking forward that's clever. to where yeah. we're going yeah. clever imagery that's, yeah. that is clever yeah. okay we are aware that we have difficulty being flexible yeah, that um, uh, again would be like the catastrophizing. A lot of these kind of tie into one another in a way that um, we tend to see things as black or white and we don't kind of acknowledge grey at all. A lot of people, especially um, people with addictive personalities, um, things are either zero or ten. The, the, there's no five. And we need to find the fives. We need to find the grey area. Um, not to be so absolute. Uh, in our thinking, um, just to be to be that bit flexible um, and to acknowledge at times <clears throat> to do with this, that or the other thing. Do you know, I could be wrong about that. Um, uh, you know, it can be amusing sometimes when you realise that something that you believe to be absolutely true all your life, it might, could be might not be. Word. Yeah, yeah, that it might not be absolutely. Well, you true. find out that you were wrong, and, yeah. and that's kind of um, something that you totally um, believed in yeah. forever. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're aware that many of us are dealing with low self-esteem again. Yeah, recognition of it. That that, that that's 
all of the above, in a way, like if they're not there, um, if the awareness isn't there, can lead to that. In fact, that might seamlessly lead us in as well to what we might cover next week would be low self-esteem and that. So, yeah, um, because our sense of security, um, uh, our sense of identity, they can all be damaged by some of the things that we discussed there, like, for example, the perfectionism. Um, that, um, you know, if we're going to knock ourselves over a mistake, uh, uh, well, then our self-esteem is going to get at least a dent, uh, if not be hauled below the waterline. Um, uh, so um, uh, the building blocks of self-esteem are so important. People... Um, it's generally accepted, oh gosh, yeah, I want to have good self-esteem. But but self-esteem has building blocks, five of them. And, um, uh, you know, a sense of security, identity, belonging, purpose and competence. And we could talk about those next week. Absolutely. And, and the final one at the, in the lifestyle awareness kind of ties in with something that I spoke about earlier in the programme. We are aware that we feel better when we're actively involved. I was joined by two lovely ladies in the studio this morning who've set up a women's group called uh, Loose Women. And it basically is to stop people sitting at home feeling isolated and, you know, retired women or maybe people that were widowed or maybe young mothers new people to the area, people who, you know, haven't made a lot of friends, maybe have lost friendships over the years, a place for them to connect. Absolutely. And I just thought, terrific idea. And and one of the women said, it's an opportunity one day a week for you to get up, get dressed, put your makeup on and go out because you're meeting the other women. Absolutely. And and we all feel better when we are actively, with an emphasis on that word, actively involved. Whether it can be working, it can be volunteering, um, or it can be pursuing um, um, uh, an enjoyable hobby. But when we're actively involved in psychology, the word flow is often used. It means that you can lose yourself entirely in the moment that you're in. In other words, if you're gardening, we'll say, and you're digging a hole in the ground and you have some seeds to put in, and if you're totally there, absolutely, 100%, um, uh, on your task of the digging, the putting in the seeds, the covering over, all of that, well then, that's a very, very good place to be. And of course, it brings to mind the word mindfulness because you're totally in the moment of where you are. Yeah, and when getting out and involved with others and you mentioned volunteering, I did the volunteer awards. I was uh, MC for the Core Volunteer Centre last Friday night and it was just stunning to see these amazing people fantastic to see them being recognised all of them so humble none of them felt that they were worthy of these awards and each and every one of them were were worthy because they'd been nominated by their own organisations but all of them talking well done to each and every one of them but all of them talking about what they get back yeah. From, like, you constantly hear that when you speak with volunteers. When I would ask them, you know, why, why, why do you do it? And they say, oh my God, I get so much more back yeah. than what I give. Yeah. 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 And it's getting people out there and, and getting them in, in, involved. Yeah, so. talking about volunteering and community and that, I was at a very good book launch uh, by Cocoon, um, uh, a book by... Um, uh, a poet in um, Rock Chapel the other night, um, and Jack Jack Roach was at the heart of it again. And uh, beautiful book, 
beautiful book available now, I think, in Super Values and all that. Um, and it was great, and the place was jammed, Fantastic. you know. There's a guy called uh, um, Dorothea is the name of the lady who um, uh, is the uh, the force behind this um, enterprise of uh, uh, Cocoon um, Productions. Okay. Well, yeah, it well, was brilliant. And well, her husband Ray, uh, I think he teaches guitar. He was uh, he sang a few songs and things. It was a great night, fab. and we finished up with everyone saying, "We all what is it? All together now." Okay. Or, um, we we sang the song anyway. We um, uh, of all together, and you and you were all together singing it. Okay, I've got to leave it there. Okay. We're over on time. Listen, Joe, have a great week. Okay, and uh, we'll talk again next week. That's Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohapui. His number is oh two nine seven six six one seven. And don't forget, it is in pregnancy and infant loss day today. Uh, if you're at home, light a candle at seven o'clock, uh, please. And that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Nukta, quid denaniha is fari gorkig C103.